0: Welcome to the Story Discovery Podcast. I'm your host, J.W. McAteer. Coming up, you'll hear a new work from our free online publication, Etched Onyx Magazine. Please join me and co-host Melissa Collings after the reading when we talk with the author about their work and all things writing and otherwise. This podcast and all related materials Our production of Onyx Publications. All works, stories, and poems are copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Today's story is The Greeter, written by Gina Angelone and narrated by Melissa Collings. Settle in and enjoy.
1: The Greeter. By Gina Angelone Because her front tooth was missing, the mechanics behind her words were clearly visible, her tongue lubricating the same faded quips and yellowed phrases over and over. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. May I have your attention for just a moment, please? The rumble in her stomach was nearly as loud as the sound of the train. Anything is appreciated. Anything at all. A quarter dropped in the paper cup, and bits of crud shook free, revealing the name Gloria scribbled across it. God bless. Gloria's silver-capped teeth formed a tight metallic smile. A silent dollar fell into her rough-knit glove. Bless your soul, Gloria whispered to the stranger with feeling. She offered an identical, hello, in the next car. Her voice was perfunctory and calm, and tinged with the right amount of desperation. But this time, nothing. No clink, no rustle, no blessings. Not even the split-second eye contact of a simpatico, usually good for half a leftover sandwich. Gloria made her way unnoticed through the head-hung uptown crowd. An old man with a bloated nose and pirate eyes set near the emergency brake. He pounded a forlorn fist into a clammy old hand. Gloria noticed how every so often he'd mutter a string of regrets under his breath. Another missed opportunity. Another lost leap of faith. Smack in the palm of his hand. As the train roared past 86th Street, she thought maybe it was all going by too fast for him. Maybe one day he'd pull the brake. She wouldn't be surprised. Nothing surprised her anymore. Not the sound of her own small voice breaking through rush-hour tension, not the sight of her own washed-out reflection getting torn apart with every passing express, obscured, transparent, then recomposed. Each reconstruction came with a sad reminder of her survival. Gloria stood, gap-toothed, gears churning, waiting for an opening. She knew the scream of wheels and cavernous cries of rusted railway cars would rudely interrupt her again, bleeding out her words in mid-phrase. She tried to guess which word would be assaulted and stop herself from speaking before the screeching downtown local did. Ladies, she thought. I'll pause after ladies. A heavy brown coat patted her hips as the moving train bumped her from side to side. Next to her, a diminished man held a comb wrapped in a piece of old news and kazooed. Oh, when the saints... Gloria listened for a moment. Thinking how much she liked that particular tune and how it would make a fine song for a funeral. A happy funeral would be nice, she mulled. Folks would stick around for that. But the man shot her a grim, territorial look that warned her to keep moving. The car was taken. Ladies, Gloria began in the next car, allowing a 10 decibel screech to pass by on the adjacent track before feeling the small inward satisfaction that her pause was perfectly timed. So few things in life ever worked out as well. And gentlemen, she continued. Change fell in modest lumps in her coffee cup. It was late when Gloria began looking for a place to sleep. She dodged the two way traffic, fists planted in her pockets, holding down the day's take as she headed toward an abandoned building up the avenue. It was a noisy ruin next to the overpass and across from the entrance to the building. The sign in front of the building read, condemned, which made Gloria think of the dog-faced preacher from her youth and his disquieting sense of self-righteousness. Once, the preacher called the entire congregation condemned. A bunch of sinners damned hell, he said. He was looking to fill the church coffers with donations in exchange for the promise of cleansed souls. Gloria wondered who the hell wasn't a sinner, including that pug-like man of God. A sticky mix of urine and cola basted the broken linoleum floors of the building. Gloria's boots squeaked around the damp stairwell when suddenly something cold and strong grabbed her shoulder. The deafening sounds from the city drained from her ears and a scream curdled in her mouth. She groped for something to steady herself and reconstruct her vision, but nearly toppled when something sharp pressed into her back. I'll give you all my money, she said, hoping that would be that. The figure said nothing and nudged her back up the dark stairs. Gloria noticed his tar-stained teeth as he spat on the floor and the taint of ink like bad news on his thin, broken lips. She skidded her boots across the syrupy tiles, clenching to keep the coins from rattling and her nerves from spilling out. You played that song real nice today. The man pulled out his papered comb and hummed it slowly, his free hand still guiding her with his knife. It calmed Gloria to think about saints marching and people clapping. A tear formed in her eye in spite of her soothing thought, knowing that no one would come to her funeral. As she climbed the condemned steps, with the eerie echo of the kazoo behind her, Gloria paused, allowing the violent clatter of the city back into her head, reverberating through her weary body. As she turned her hopeless gaze toward a cracked window in the stairwell, her dark, shattered reflection stared back at her, Gloria murmured a final. God bless. You've just listened to The Greeter by Gina Angelone. Welcome to the post-story portion of the podcast. I'm your co-host, Melissa Collings, joined as always by the highly efficient J.W. McAteer. (laughs) Hello. Today we have Gina on the show to talk about her short story and her life as a writer, and much, much more. Welcome, Gina.
2: Hello, Melissa. Hello, JW. Great to be here with you both.
1: We are so excited that you're here. Gina is a highly acclaimed director, producer, and author. Her work in film and television has won her multiple awards and grants, including Emmys, and Cable Ace Awards, as well as several nominations on top of her winnings. Gina has published fiction in the form of novels and short stories, which has also earned her grants and further recognition. I could literally spend the whole interview making this introduction, as her achievements are numerous and highly remarkable, but let's hear it straight from the creative powerhouse herself, who is Gina Angeloni.
2: Well, you're not going to hear it from me. You're going to have to just keep keep going with your litany of praises so I can soak it all up. Thank you very much. That's very kind. I love
1: it. It's so true. I can't wait to dig in more. We're going to be asking tons of questions. That's very nice. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Um, Yeah. I think if you're fortunate enough to stick around long enough, you get to do a bunch of things, and and some of them can actually turn out. So there we are.
0: Wow. I love it. Talk about brevity <laughs> earlier. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> Boom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tell us a little bit like where, where you're from.
2: Sure. You know, um, I am from, originally from Philadelphia. And um, surprisingly to me, as it turns out, after an absence of decades spent living all over the world, um, I'm back. I'm back to my roots. I'm back in Philadelphia. Oh, wow. I moved here just three minutes before the pandemic broke out. And wow. um, and so, you know, came for sort of personal reasons and family reasons to, to look after my mother who was going through health difficulties. And uh, and she passed during the pandemic, mm-hmm. but I feel like mama brought me back, mama brought me home.
0: That's and so here,
2: here I am and here I stay. And as I like to say, I, it's actually been a very, uh, it was a very, very soft landing at a very, very difficult time. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. I never pictured myself living back in my hometown, and um, I'm loving it. It's, you know, it's certainly been a very challenging bunch of years. And Philadelphia has many great things, but it might not, it might not be the capital of um, film and TV where I came from in LA and <laughs> yeah. New York. But I'm, I'm really glad to be here. It's a, it's a different chapter. Sometimes I wonder who wrote this chapter. Wrote
0: this yeah. check. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Living alone, empty-nested in Philadelphia, but it's good so far. So good.
0: That's great. Philadelphia is a great town. It's got yeah. a little edge to it, though. I have to say, I've been there a few times, and boy, it's just rough around the edges. Grit,
2: man, pure grit. That's the <laughs> yeah. thing you you have to embrace and almost really love about it. Is that is that straightforward, gritty, blue-collar edge. It's kind of yes. it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yes. I like
1: that. <laughs> okay. So yeah. Yeah, well, we're going to talk more about you and your journey, which I'm very excited about. But let's start with the story. Where did this particular story come from? Were you compelled to write it? What was your inspiration behind it?
2: Well, first of all, I should say living t- 20 years in New York City, you know, has given me a lot of time to just observe life <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> with that kind of urban density and humanity. And, you know, as New Yorkers, we sit and spend a lot of time in the subway. And I and I just remember I just I often just take notes of things I see. It's like there's a camera in my mind always recording. Mm -hmm. And then I go back in my journaling practices or my, you know, just um, stream of consciousness writing, which I do every morning. You know, I make notes and observances and sometimes I go back and I look and those come to the surface and I think, oh, maybe there's maybe there's a story, maybe there's something I can flesh out here. So these were based on two separate characters on two separate occasions that I saw riding in the subway. And I kind of just mashed it up into a sad little piece of sudden fiction.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's thought provoking though. It is sad, but it's thought provoking in such a short period of time. You got me invested into this character, which I thought at the end I I felt something and I thought, mm. Oh, Wow, in such a short piece, you know, a lot of times, it it's difficult to do that, you know, to get connected to somebody and feel for them. And somehow I felt for this woman. I'm not sure exactly what you did. I didn't analyze it. But I appreciated it.
2: Oh, thank you. You know, I think it's always I, I'm so I'm maybe jumping ahead. But, but flash fiction is something that I'm really throwing myself into right now after having written more long you know longer form stuff yeah and it it is a real challenge but I kind of love capturing a snapshot a portrait um I'm, I guess I'm always talking in visual terms that's this that's the filmmaker part but yeah mm-hmm. it's it's showing a quirk a, a kind of personality quirk or an inner thinking or an inner logic in very few strokes and hoping that that Connects with someone that someone yeah. says, "Oh, I, I I get that I get that character and and a little bit what they're made of," so that's that's the challenging part. And then you know, trying to give something very short a beginning, middle, and an end, right?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's impressive. It's hard to do with flash. That, yes, it we is. don't get a ton of flash pieces. Sometimes we'll get something like two thousand two thousand words. That's not really flash, but yeah, eight hundred and thirty three words or something. I think I was really surprised oh. <laughs> nice and i've job. been writing
2: things that are less than 400 you know wow.
0: because, yeah, yeah.
2: It's, it's just trying to flex that flex that muscle a
1: little bit see what i think that's a really good exercise i think you can become better i mean when you when you capture storytelling you know you get that like you said beginning middle and end in a short period of time you can take that and just like stamp it out i feel like in other pieces of writing
2: well yeah. I, so i think you know i'll just say that in in Film, you know, there was a sort of period of time where everything was fast cuts, and then, you know, then came vines, these seven-second videos that everybody was obsessed with, and the TikTok culture and whatever yeah. else. And I get it; it's very, it's very appealing little digestible bites that you have time for. Yeah. And I kind of really fell into it during the pandemic and was reading a lot of um, short fiction and you know, watching a lot of YouTube clips and whatever else, and I just sort of grew my own appetite for that and decided to to explore it. I feel like that's, I don't want to couch it in a negative and say that people don't have attention span for longer, because they certainly do, but I think it's more, not more, but it's a different kind of invitation to say, oh, Check me out! I'm 300 yeah. words, or I'm 800 words. It, it'll take you all of five minutes to read. Yeah, so right. It does open a door of possibility where maybe something denser uh, or even more literary wouldn't.
1: Yeah, yeah. I like that. An instant payoff too, <laughs> to kind of that nugget to give you something right away, rather than having to wait for it with a novel, which both you know they both have their place, right? For I think sure. everything has has their pl- has its place.
2: Absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. So. Great. Yeah.
0: Well, so, okay, let's talk about the transition to writing. You have been writing, I guess, screenplays, directing, producing. That's been your career, it seems like, for the most part. Have you been writing, writing uh, on the novel side or on the story side for a long time? It's on the side, or is this just something more recent?
2: Yeah, it's a funny. It's a funny thing. We might need to bring a therapist into the call. Can you? Can
0: you? <laughs> oh, I like it. <laughs> Keep going. No, I, I.
2: You know, I think it's a funny thing. I grew up, just, not only wanting to be a writer, but, ha- you know, being told constantly that I was a writer, and God. in a way, it messed with me because it. it um, I was being given credit for something before I had actually done much of it. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, and in my mind, I could sort of relax into the role a bit more and say, "Okay, it's I'm already this. It will it will evolve."
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and of course, how that translated in my life was having this other career that has been my entire career, the whole span of my adult life, and of which writing is a very very big part, but it, it's not necessarily the fiction writing that I had always envisioned that I would be churning out, that Mm. only now am I churning out. So um, it's always been this slower, like it's been on a slow burn, on the back burner for me for a while. And I I definitely have feelings about that, cue the therapist. But but it's also always been a part of my uh, life and trajectory, whether it's, I'm putting those things out into the world, or just keeping the writing for myself, whatever it may be. So, I my first short story was published in oof 1996 oh, in, wow. a, okay. in a Double Day anthology, uh, "Angels of Darkness." That was what it was called uh, mm. uh, tr- "Tales of um, Tales of Troubling Troubled and Troubling Women." That's what it was. Yeah. Hmm. And um, I still think that's one of my short stories. Wow! <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that. Called Bob Shoes Drawer, but um, but it did it. What came up for me was that it I needed to learn a lot more about craft and discipline and all of those things, and I, I that was just like a really lucky break, I think. And and then and then there was just a lot of life ensued. Like right after that came, you know, marriage, children, moving all around the place uh, around. Um, And that took up a lot of bandwidth so although i was writing i've been writing since my 20s and 30s i wasn't really putting much out into the world to Mm -hmm. to be truthful my job entailed a lot of writing for film but, but not the the sort of novel writing or fiction writing or short stories and then the odyssey really came when in 2004 i did a first draft of a novel and i sent it to one new york agent she was a very big new york agent and she really liked it and called me on the phone and said, let's meet for lunch. But but me being me at the time, (laughs) I had twin three-year-old boys. I had a film that had just come out that I was touring all around with. I was so busy. And I thought to myself, she's just going to tell me to uh, rewrite it. So why don't I just focus on rewriting it? And of course, you know I did move twice cross-country in the next several wow. years and mm-hmm. the kids were growing there were lots of lots of other film projects happening and by the time I rewrote it and was able to put it out again it was five years later in 2009 and um, I put it in the Amazon breakthrough novel award that thing that used to exist I don't know if you guys are familiar with it that's but not Amazon one used noticed. to yeah. have a, a big thing and it was um, semi-finalist of 10,000 yeah, um, and it imme- wow. immediately got agented in New York and um, uh, wow. yeah so all that was great and then three small literary imprints expressed interest I was feeling so fantastic but it was exactly when the fallout of the global economic crisis from 2008 had, uh, had hit the publishing, yes. publishing industry and so in fact there was a moratorium on sales and acqu- or on acquisitions for four out of five of the, the big, big pubs. Yeah. yeah. So um, my agent said, "Look, there's really uh, three people want it. We they can't take it." It was also it was also debut author mm-hmm. and literary right. and literary fiction, making it much harder to launch. And um, and the agent said, "You know, I I advise you to try." uh self publishing because that was becoming a thing, you know, yeah, back then. Uh-huh. Right. And I just got I was devastated. <laughs> I just, so I wound up moving for you know, again, cross country to Los Angeles that year and all that upheaval and resettling and focusing on different things. And I kind of shelved that novel. It's really my magnum opus. It still hasn't <sighs> been published. The first chapter has received many awards and it just got published in Philadelphia stories last October, the first chapter. Um, yeah, one yeah. award. It, it's won like three literary awards. But the 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 novel itself, the manuscript, I'm not aggressive or, or proactive, I should say, in sending it in sending it out. I did I did try querying again during the pandemic, and the response was basically lady, it's the pandemic. What are you thinking? So I feel like, I feel like between the global economic crisis and the pandemic, I'm always a little bit, uh, behind the eight ball on that one. But I, I should not, I should say I won't give up, but I, I, I've kind of, uh, it's sitting really waiting for my attention. And, uh, I still think it's a very valid piece of writing. Of course, I still stand behind it. And then, but that was sort of the, the long, um, troubling tale of, of that manuscript wow. and and then i in in 20 i guess 15 or 2014 an agent in la said to me you know write something else write something else and okay and try to see what you feel about the self-publishing route and so i did that and in one year i wrote a manuscript uh called cafe antoinette and i self-published and it was you know i treated it as if it were not self-published i was very very um exacting and and perfectionistic and took a long time and um it's a it's a beautiful looking clean tome it's not you know it feels very professional uh, sure but i didn't it didn't bring me much joy because i think there's that moment where you <laughs> you just hit publish on amazon and for me at least like there was no fanfare, like balloons. Yeah. Right, there were no right. like right. exploding balloons and champagne. Glass. And it was just, I was like, wah wah wah. And, and um and that's when the that's what didn't hit me is like that's when the real work begins. Yes, yeah. that's yeah, when you really doesn't. have marketing. to start marketing and peddling. And I actually didn't have enough gas in the tank. I was working on a TV series. I was raising my kids, you know, single mom at the time. It was just like so much so much to do uh, that I just sort yeah. of said, whatever happens with it, happens with it. That's And, fair. and ama- amazingly, it did go to a bunch of book clubs, and, and I, I did do did. a bunch of, uh, yeah, readings and interviews, and that was fun. But I decided, and I wrote it to be more, I don't want to say, it's not commercial fiction. It's still literary, but it, a more, a stickier plot line, a faster, a much faster read. I wanted it to be a fast, sticky, summer read. Yeah. That was successful. Um, but did I want to do it again?
0: No. Yeah.
2: Okay.
1: And when you say, did you want to do it again? You mean the self-publishing? Yeah.
2: And I think it works so well for so many people who have time and bandwidth and energy to create a big online presence and platform. And I'm just, I don't. I I recognize that in myself. And it's, I know it's a, it's a giant flaw these days, but I, I, I have to be who I am. No, yes, I, that's so, not a
0: flaw. That's, no. that's, I, I don't think so, anyway. I mean, it's self-publishing is its own. You are you're everything. You're marketing, right? Yes. I mean, you, you do it all. So you it's not yeah. just writing the book and a lot, and getting it out there. It's the it's everything else to get it read. Yes. And a lot of authors, I think, because I think a lot of us are probably introverts. We talked about this on a recent show. Is uh, that's like you know the antithesis of what they want to be. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you have to love it and enjoy it. And I've tried to trick myself into it many times in different ways, Um, (laughs) giving myself little daily prompts to tweet or this or that. And it just Uh, never it never held up for me. Um, It didn't feel quite authentic. And I admire people who are good at it and who love it and get stuff back from it. But I I kind of recognize that that wasn't my my bailiwick. So, yeah. here I am in the shadows. <laughs> yes.
0: Diving in into flash shadows. fiction. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. Not in
1: the shadows. But I completely understand the social media. I was in a group of writing ladies uh, last weekend, and we were talking about social media. And for a while, I felt that same way, to that pressure to be on social media and producing something every single day. And it was at first, I was having fun with it. And then I hit a wall where... Yeah. And I realized in my life recently that what you do in life, what you said was, is now my philosophy is you have to get out, you have to get a lot out of it that is going towards your goals in order for it to remain, at least for me, for in order for it to remain in my life. And I think and the same for me at this time in my life, social media is more draining than it is giving me something. And so mm-hmm. I, when you are in that creative space, if you're draining your creative space, yeah. you don't have as much time and energy for like the writing. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah.
2: So. and I've, I even saw, you know, through other uh, friends, artists who had much more of a presence that it doesn't always translate to sales, just to yeah. be mm-hmm. brutally honest. You know, you yeah. could make a ton of effort and not really increase your I mean you can get a lot of love back and a lot of support, which is wonderful, yeah. but it doesn't translate to numbers. And um, I just that that became very, very, very clear to me. and I thought, for myself, again, I thought I'd rather just give it all away. I'd rather just do the writing and, and give it away for free than, oh, than having to um, you know and share it rather mm-hmm. than worry about numbers and eyeballs and views and platforms. So that's kind of where I'm at right now.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: I'm more interested in, in sharing it that way. Awesome. So right now, are you, tell us about your writing right now. Are you working on another novel? Are you focusing more on the short flash fiction? Yeah, no, I've been putting together a
2: collection of short stories and and, uh, and flash. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised at how um, fluidly it's, coming I mean I've just been kind of churning them out and um, yeah we'll see how they all how they all flow together but the idea is I just wanted to sort of uh, explore for lack of a better term sort of arthritic (laughs) relationships and that sort of bone-on-bone aspect of, of the wear and tear that can happen in our own lives and our own reflections on our lives and and with others so so it's kind of like simple portraits of um kind of broken down lives doesn't that sound uplifting? Wow,
0: <laughs> I have never heard a relationship called arthritic before. I mean, I was, I, wow, that's amazing. I, I love, love it. I love that. I know, I know. I think, that's but that sounds so, depressing.
1: Well, yes, <laughs> but I mean, it's very. You can also like inject some some jelly solution into that you know thing right. so into that uh, joint. A little space, cortisone shot. You know, a little
2: right. Cor- yeah. The, the cartilage. Into the cartilage. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So I mean,
1: but that's real what people are experiencing, yes, you know, agree. and I think that's, that's real and you can, and relatable. It's like, Oh, I'm not the only one who feels this arthritic, you know?
2: And, and look, the point is, and the fun, I always am a little amused that I'm in life. I'm, my baseline is very, uh, generally very happy and joyful, yeah. but, um, my stories tend to be very dark and sad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm so, the same. but you know, you can inject, um, of course, dark humor. And I try to do that too. I always try to have a moment where there's a little bit of a wink or, uh, you know, something else, a little, it's not just all one tone, uh, yeah. even, even in a very, very short piece. So that's been really fun to explore because it's been in some ways very, very freeing, um, uh, mm. to, to have these nuggets rather than this massive manuscript. Um, part of me feels still like the, 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 the manuscript that I've written called Portrait of a Stranger is, it's like a bit of a cinder block tied to my ankle.
0: <laughs> is that the first one, Portrait yeah, of a Stranger? Yeah, yeah, and okay, I really want to,
2: I really want to um, figure out a home for that and then um, maybe, then be ready to tackle another long, a long manuscript, a long piece. But for now, oh. the, the the short pieces are keeping me buoyant and happy and uh, productive. I like so that. Are I, you I,
0: retired? Oh, sorry. Listen, no, go, no ahead. go ahead. Am I so? Are you retired from the producing and no way that stuff? Or are you still doing all that? Oh okay.
2: yeah, full time. Yeah. Okay.
0: Wow, <laughs> time so you're doing and that you're and writing? writing on the side. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> so
1: what are you working on in the film right now? Film yeah. Industry? So
2: right now is a particularly uh, exciting moment because um, yeah, in a couple days I'm launching. Into filming the last part of my own film project, uh, so I'll spend a month running around the country filming that. And um, oh, wow. yeah, it's a feature documentary. I've been working on it for um, a really long time, and it's uh, it's one of those things that again, you know, this is the this is the I guess the creative struggle. At least it's been my experience and my path where, um, you know, you're you know, for me. I always feel like you know it's. It, it might seem like I'm doing a lot and, and thank you for that recognition. But it's I feel like I'm always sort of climbing the mountain with my teeth. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's stops and and, you know, starts. And and this particular project really was doing well and then kind of died on the vine during the pandemic, as so many things did. And yeah. funding funding dried up. And I thought, well, it's not going to get done. And then this last fall, I thought, let me just do one more push for fundraising. And uh, with the help of some very good people, I was able to do that. And now we're um, completely on the rails and, and pushing, pushing toward the, the finish line this fall, which is so exciting. So it's a, it's a feature documentary um, called Sitting Still. And it's looking at, the, it's looking at um, the world and urban design and land through the eyes of uh, a visionary urban designer, mm. and landscape architect, who has, d- Lori Olin, who has done some of the most iconic parks and gardens and public spaces in the world, definitely in the country, and um, yeah, but it's sort of more getting inside the head of this thinker and um, designer and talking about our lost connection to nature and how, oh, and and, cl- and climate change, and how the world has become decoration for younger generations who are so immersed in the digital you know environment mm, yes. and mm-hmm. and the problem with mega cities and bad architecture and our expert exportation of those things to other countries in the world and and why it's so important to keep um keep our connection to nature you know uh present and and yeah. life-sustaining so um it's with uh, some very very big minds and and people in the profession of architecture and design. And um, yeah, so I'm excited. So that's happening. That's what that's I'm working right. on. That's yeah. <laughs> that's yeah.
1: amazing Thank and needed. It. It's very pertinent. Yeah. Well, sure, well, you
2: know, after the pandemic or during the pandemic, suddenly there was this wake up call that yeah. we need our outdoor spaces more than ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is good timing in that regard. So, so, so there again, maybe everything just happens in the right time, right? So maybe yes. this this seven-year journey with this film, this is the right moment. And yeah. maybe, maybe when the manuscript comes out, I'll wind up saying, it's perfect timing.
1: I think, <laughs> I think that's exactly what you will do. Because yeah. I, when it feels like, I think you described it as a cinder block on your ankle, I yeah. that, that means it needs to come off, right? Like you need to launch that thing and you'll yeah. find the right time. And maybe yeah. this is like your... Your burst to think, well, maybe I should touch that again, or maybe when you're done with this, yeah,
2: this could be it. Yeah, it's an Italian reference, the cinder block. Today. Okay,
0: I Ooh, like that. I guess it is, <laughs> isn't it? Not the feet poured in concrete kind oh, yeah. of deal. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I like funny. that. It's very well, visual.
1: You're giving me great visuals. Okay. <laughs> I know. I know.
2: Dark ones. Yeah.
1: <laughs> To me, they're not so dark. Like, I mean, they are dark, but it's just kind of reality, you know. And as you were talking, it just really, it, we, you know, in your introduction and everything, I've seen that you, you know, your resume. Looking at your resume, like you said, you've been very successful. You've been very prolific, but you have talked about your struggles as well. There yeah. are things that work. There are things that didn't work, and and you even described, you know you've done all that but you feel like it's like you're you're sh- almost struggling for everything you know like using your teeth to to move <laughs> up this mountain you know and that i think is great for creatives to hear someone in your space who's won emmys i mean that's amazing to be realistic about it so can you articulate what do you attribute to your success and why did not why didn't you let those hard times and the fact that you're having to use your teeth to climb up a mountain stop you.
2: Born with good teeth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it's very kind. It's I have trouble with the word success and successful. I, I'm redefining it all the time. I yeah. I again, I appreciate the the way you're you're using it and the way you're perceiving it, and I think that it it is important to sort of say yeah I. I accomplish those things and I'm proud of those things, but I don't, I I don't consider myself successful in, in general term. I mean, I'm always battling with that idea and I'm yeah. trying to, again, um, define it a little differently and, 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 and a bit more personally. Yes. Um, mm, but I, I like think that. that, um, persistence is the only answer. I think that by God, I'm persistent. It's, the yeah. only reason i'm still standing i mean yeah. you know it film an independent i'm talking really super indie documentary film it's very hard to carve out a life d- doing that and yeah. mm-hmm. i feel like so fortunate that i've been able to to do it and um yeah and, and writing super hard. i mean all these things all these artistic practices are incredibly challenging demanding uh, 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 emotionally confusing, uh, questioning your every step, and will this be the last time? Will this be the last thing I ever do? Um, all those things plague the mind. Um, yeah. And then, in a way, after so many years, I feel, oh well, it's the only thing I really know how to do. So what else? What else am I going to do? What else am I going to do? <laughs> exactly, um, yes. And you just go another day, go another day. I mean, you know, uh, the old expression, just show up and do the work. And I think yeah. I'm, I'm completely hard- hardwired to show up and do the work—that's all I've ever done. And so, um, I think from the outside view or the aerial view, it looks like, oh, wow, you know, done all this, you've done so much, and and I want to, uh, you know, say again, say thank you for that acknowledgement. But, um, you know, this sort of micro view and macro is just—it's just, ah, is just, oh, there's so much more to do. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do I get there? Yeah. I, I just—I you know—I just—I keep keep going. I keep going so um that. yeah i'm i'm persistence that's it for anything right yeah. you have to create uh, very very almost bulletproof disciplines around them yes or they yeah. won't transpire it won't it won't move the needle
0: yeah yeah totally
1: i think that's so important for people in the creative space who are searching to hear that mm. especially from you you know someone like you and it, it does it takes Determination and sticking with it, and even through those hard times, those incredibly hard times, especially through those times. Yes, yeah, yes, especially. Yeah. Exactly.
2: I hear stories all the time about people who are in the arts who who you know say, "Well, you know, I got it, I got to feed my kids. I'm going to sell real estate, or I'm going to do something yeah. completely different." I totally, I mean, I honor that. I understand that. Um, sometimes I wonder if I'm just too. Stubborn, but, you know, I'm just going to I'm just going to play it out.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Because
2: you know, every every day is like, OK, yeah, I did it again. I did it again. Let's go. I'll keep going. <laughs> um, but really, it's that sometimes it's that tenuous. It really is. Um, yeah. So it's hard to, for me to view that as like as largely successful, if you know what I mean, because <laughs> yeah. there are all these variables and there are all these things that are constantly in flux. Yeah, awesome. yeah. But that's, that's what it well, is. Well, this
0: is great. That's such a good interview. And, and we are up on our normal time, but I did mention to Gina uh, earlier before we started recording that we might go a little long, and I think we will. <laughs> um, but I want to ask about the writing elements of it. So writing for a film or TV series or whatever it is versus the, um, I guess, the straight-up novel or short story. Yeah. Uh, you know, you talked about how it's different and how... You know you didn't necessarily feel that you were doing that or the differences between them so what how do you prepare yourself mentally or what do you find different just kind of talk about that the difference between those things
2: in some ways i feel just for me that writing is writing is writing uh mm-hmm. it doesn't matter and the mm-hmm. rest is form and structure um and it's fun to play with those things so i i even did i dabbled in songwriting uh, I was invited invited into a songwriting group in Los Angeles uh, they were all at a very high level I, I'm not a singer or a songwriter but I'm a writer and they invited me in because yeah. I'm a writer and yeah I got to ex- I got to exercise that part as well and work with you know write lyrics you know um,
1: yeah
2: so to me it's just about um, playing with form and um, the 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 bigger, and I I think one kind of informs the other. So the documentary work uh, is deeply observational and um, and researched, and um, sometimes even fly on a wall. But it 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 fills the coffers with with ideas and images, and understanding human nature in a way that can translate itself to a fictional circumstance, whether in a story or, or a screenplay. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then you're just dealing with, again, as I say, structure. Um, hmm. So to me, I, I feel um, I can move easily between almost any. Anything, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I enjoy cool. them all uh, very, very much. Right. Um, I, I was thinking a little bit before jumping on the call how it's, uh, you know, how my Nonfiction work and film uh, informs my fiction writing,
1: yeah.
2: and vice versa. But I was also thinking how it's how in um, it feels like in writing, you you might finish reading something and you walk away with a feeling or an impression or an emotion, but you don't necessarily uh, memorize the words, even though you're yes. given uh, you're given a group of words right to mm-hmm. on the page. And in film, how we walk away with. Absolutely, like scenes and, and dialogue emblazoned <laughs> in our minds. Mm-hmm. And that differential of having the image creates this whole other layer of um, imprint on mm. our brains. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is like one feels more, uh, a little more permanent in some way um interesting yeah i don't know i don't know or, or at I, least at, at least in the short term in our short term memory yeah,
0: um, yeah yeah well um i mean yeah i agree documentaries you're still telling a story mm-hmm. right i mean you have a beginning middle and end i yes. guess yes and um yeah so you're crafting a story with that i will say i mean i think that when you read though you do create scenes like there you know i mean there are books that you you know there are certain scenes that just oh are stuck sure. with you too you know what i mean yeah so Either way, yeah. but I totally get that. Yeah, it's more like, um, well, anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, 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 no. I agree. I, yeah, <laughs> just,
2: <laughs> and a lot of people might disagree, but I just feel like, oh, I'll read something and I'll be like, that was amazing. And I won't be able to quote from it. I'll just be able yeah. to explain the arc and the feeling. Um, yes. And it's, a, it's sure. funny. It's a very different thing with with film, how it imprints on our soul and on our mind. So I'm glad that I have both, fields to play in mm-hmm. and, and they can feed each other a bit and I get to, I get to jump around and that's been a great, that's been a great gift and a great resource. So it, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel um, anything but joyful actually to be able yeah. to to do, to do both.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: That's <laughs> fantastic, yes. Yeah.
0: All right, well, I am gonna give us like the five minute-ish warning. So uh, we'll get our last couple questions in before we hit the very last one. All right, Melissa.
1: (laughs) I'm trying to decide which one, which ones. Okay, so I'm curious, you've traveled a bunch. You've been exposed to many different walks of life through career and just living in different places. What's one of the most interesting things that you've experienced in your travels?
2: Ooh. Um I think I you know, it's it's funny. I I think it's transformation. I think when Ooh, I like when that. I travel, I talk differently, I encounter differently, I observe differently, I experience things differently. It's, I'm such a creature of habit and routine and discipline, and Mm -hmm. suddenly I'm off routine, right? And so that Mm. makes me more present and aware in most cases. I'm also, the way I travel is lingering. I'm not jumping from place to place to place. I go, I stay a while, I hang Mm. out. Um, So, in a way, getting travel has really been this gift of getting to play at otherness and, in a way, be. Mm. Visible differently, but also be invisible. And that's a kind of nice tension to play with. Um, and I've learned, you know, I, I've learned different languages, and so I get to, again, be that different person speaking that different tongue, which I don't get to do very often from home. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, as humans, we're really obsessed with other humans, right? We think about, we write about them, we're all, that's we're true. gregarious primates, we like to stare, we like to people watch, and yeah. so the most interesting um, parts of travel are kind of just those unexpected human human interactions, and so there, there are sort of obviously far too many to kind of zero in on, but that's right. really what it is, it's about that transformation of self into other, and and awakening that vulnerability right because i travel alone i'm completely in in my filmmaking in my writing in my traveling i'm a solo flyer right Mm. so it's uh it's about facing those fears every time the blankness (laughs) and 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 the reinvention that comes from it so that's what i like about it. it 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 i think i'm completely fearless and completely terrified at the same time yeah wow
0: that's amazing
2: i I love how
1: i expected going into this question like oh i saw this rock that was shaped (laughs) like you know something but you have given this amazing answer that is um that really makes you think you know about travel and how how it affects you as a person well we don't
2: go to places we don't go to foreign places or even local I mean I don't go to places to find the same thing I don't and Mm. see the same architecture and see the same clothing and art and I also don't go to be the same person right I'm going to sort of create cracks and openings in myself and and feel something different and and maybe be something different so um travel is 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 a huge part of my It's what built my foundation. I kind of launched into the world at a very young age and started living all over the globe at a young age and spent many years doing so, and it really changed me foundationally. For sure yeah i think well i mean I...
0: that's a super thoughtful answer really i mean you is. are uh you're taking <laughs> yeah. us to another level all right <laughs> it's wonderful i, I yeah. love it
1: <laughs> i mean you think uh, when we travel you think well what am i giving to this other place I, i've never thought about it like that so i find that very fascinating that openness where you're willing to accept whatever treasures that place has for you and i think kind of, I'm making, maybe I'm making wild connections here, but when you're more open, you're more perceptive, you know, of of mm-hmm. your surroundings. So you're able to take it in and then you can, and it's like opening doors, I think, for your writing, where you're able to put that into your stories, where you become, you experience these other things and you're able to put that into a work.
2: Yeah. And it's just not having a, a you know, a sort of immutable agenda. It's, yeah. it's staying open to encounter. I mean, isn't, yeah, that's like, that's the whole beauty of it. Right. If Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't want to travel in a bubble. Right. Yes. I want it to, I want it to be a porous experience Yeah. and there's good and there's bad and there's challenge and there's greatness. And it's, you know, that's the whole, that's the whole beauty of it for me. Yeah. Um, it all
1: shapes us. It does.
2: And again, us. it also gives me um, time and space to fill up the stores of that constant rolling camera in my mind that yeah. sees things and observes things and then jots them down. And maybe they pop out years later, like this story did, like the greater did, you know, and it turns into something later on. It blossoms when it's ready. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, that. I mean, that experience and your approach to it specifically, I can't say that I, I doubt that many travelers have that same approach of not being themselves or, <laughs> you know, tra- being so open, but that, that sort of empathy is a way into characters, basically, right? Yeah. Like into, and you can totally, and you, with all of that traveling you've done, that really gives you a lot of avenues into into characters and... Yeah becoming other people in your stories.
2: You you know what it does? I mean, it's also um, somebody once, I read something where somebody asked the question, what's your through line in life? And I thought, oh, well. Hmm. And I thought, yeah, and I thought the answer for me, I I don't mean this to sound cavalier. It's just um, what came up for me very strongly was freedom. That Hmm. all the choices I've made, some very difficult, um, have all been based on this idea of, sense of freedom so i mentioned that i'm a solo flyer so that means i've always worked for myself by myself independently i've never had the support of a company or a machine or an organization and that (laughs) makes things very hard but it also gives me the freedom to to make my choices live my hours the way i want um yeah right it keeps me hustling like maybe 10 times harder than need be but (laughs) that's also the choice that also sometimes translates into a freedom and yeah and so I I think travel for me needs to feel freeing um, it to Mm -hmm. open up those you know crevices in the brain (laughs) to Mm -hmm. see things and experience things um, differently because if I just go with my hard set um, view of things and a filter and uh, it won't It'll be a different kind of experience that's all
0: yeah. definitely.
1: Yeah. and you could miss treasures yeah it's yeah. a
0: wonderful yeah. way to do it, I think I, I'm yeah. with you there. I
2: love that And it's different now that I'm um, of a certain age, let's say like you know as a younger person, you know there there yeah I there was a lot more visibility, I think in certain parts of the world um, mm-hmm. and now I get to be more invisible where more wear more of a cloak, and that's just a very different kind of experience but it's also Mm. uh wonderful
0: that's great
1: (laughs) i love that answer very thoughtful it it makes people want to evaluate their own lives and experiences
0: i like that great all right well before we get to our last question i'll bring it back to writing a little bit and reading so you're doing all this creation through you know in Mm. pretty much any you you know all aspects um and, but what about reading? So what are you reading now? What do you like to read? Do you have any genres you focus on? Tell us a bit about that.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting question. I, um, uh, I, I have this sort of strange quirk because when, I, when, I make, when I'm actively making a documentary, I won't watch any documentaries. I don't want to be influenced or informed. Yeah. I'll just watch fiction. And when hmm. I'm writing fiction, I don't want to read any fiction. I just want to read nonfiction. Interesting. <laughs> for the same yes. for the same reason. <laughs> I know, and maybe that's a hard limitation. But um, so that's kind of uh, that's kind of how I've been rolling. So you know, I think as for many of us during the pandemic, um, I switched from reading, you know, papers in my hand to listening. And Mm. um, I was always big into podcasts, but, um, you know, I think the New Yorker Fiction podcast got me through the pandemic, just listening. So then I was listening to a lot of um, short stories every single day and really Mm. coveted that. Um, And then listening to a lot of other stories on other podcasts and, um, and audibles, a lot of audible books. Yeah,
1: Um, Yeah.
2: And so that's kind of, because those are, things we can do in transition, right? Yes. And, right. and the, liminal, right. the liminal moments count in our, in our busy lives, you know, mm-hmm. when we get going from here to there. I don't want to give up my reading, but do I really have time to sit down for an hour at night before bed? Probably not with all my yeah. other yeah. disciplines and routines that need to happen. So yes. um, in order not to sacrifice it, um, it's, it's become an activity while I go on my daily walks, I listen to stories while i drive the car i listen to stories like everybody else yeah um so yeah i think it's been a lot more apart from the new yorker um it's a lot more nonfiction related stuff Hmm. um while i while i attempt to churn out these little micro pieces (laughs) (laughs) of fiction
0: yeah that's great oh
1: that's fantastic i i adore audio as well i am the same i Mm-hmm. All the little traveling bits, if I'm cooking, you know, doing laundry, things like that. I'm using that as my reading time.
2: Yeah, it's such a gift to have that. It is. It, it is. is.
0: And, I and it's the oral tradition. I mean, you know, really, it's so wonderful to have that. Yeah, You know, we kind of lost it for a long time. Um, but once audiobooks, audiobooks kind of returned, it's, uh, it's uh, amazing. Yeah.
2: yeah. And, you know, I say the more points of connection we have, you know, to things that move us, the better. Right. So we, Mm -hmm. um, and we have a choice. We, we have a choice of a million different things that we could be listening to, uh, and reading or whatnot. And it's all there. And that's really, really beautiful. So we get to, we get to swim around and, um, and experience a lot of different things and a lot of different voices and points of view. And, Mm -hmm. um, I do a lot of that. I try to do a lot of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: It keeps, and also, you know, again, just, uh, not, not so much now, but during the space of the pandemic, I had moved to a new city. I had, I say new city because I hadn't lived here since I was 17. So, yeah. um, you know, I didn't really have uh, many resources. I didn't know my neighbors, I, you know, everything, yeah. was, everything was new and everything was shut down. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a deeper sense of solitude. Yes. Uh, so finding those points of connection um, through true. storytelling was salvational. Actually, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: I like that. All right. Well, like I like I said when we, when we began this show, or we probably Melissa, you know, we have so many questions we could talk to you for a long, long time, but we should probably stay on schedule somewhat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. So, with that being the
0: case, um, our last question is generally speaking, you know, if you have a favorite writing resource or any advice at all for aspiring and/or new authors that you'd like to share.
2: Yeah, you know, um, I'll tell you, last year, uh, the um, the AWP Writers' Conference was in Philadelphia. And I don't like conferences. I don't like panel discussions usually. Um, I find them often to be very self-congratulatory. Ooh. And But friends were going, and I decided to go. <laughs> and I went, and the real takeaway from that particular conference, from every writer who I encountered, was oh, my gosh, I really need to start submitting my stuff. I really need to start submitting my stuff. I thought, oh, mm-hmm. I'm not the only one. I'm not the <laughs> only one with tons of things residing on my desktop. And I made a commitment to myself that I would submit at least one piece a month. And the advice I have to other writers is to do the same, only because it's there's a much broader spectrum of things out there and places where your work can be read. It's very... Um, I don't know, it just feels wonderful when you find a home for, for a piece. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, there really is a readership. There are people who appreciate this particular thing. Because um, sometimes we just don't know. We're in our heads, right. we're, we're in a bit of a silo. And I was afraid, because I'm such a perfectionist, I didn't have, um you know, hitting send before it was perfect, in my view. Mm-hmm. And I have just been submitting, you know, as whenever I can, and sending it out in early stages, and actually getting great response. That's fantastic. yeah. So there's been there's been four, I guess, since October. Uh, there in six months, there have been four publications, and there have been two awards, and I'm just Man. very excited. Wow. Yeah. 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 So I feel like, oh, well, what was I waiting for? But again, yeah. the, I guess <laughs> I guess this is the timing. The timing is right right now. Exactly. So I yeah. would say, obviously. Um, I, I sit my butt down every morning and every night. I do it twice a day, but, um, sit down, churn it out, good, bad, or other submit. The beautiful thing is no expectation, no thought about outcome. Everyone always talks about how the process is. So the most important thing in life, of course, writing is no exception. It's a painful process, but it's, it's beautiful. And just, you know, we, we have to face the fear of rejection as artists um, yeah. and that's OK. And I'm all about just giving the words away, give it a release, <laughs> release yeah. them. And maybe right. they take flight and possibly they land just in the right place uh, where someone else can hear them and feel something. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that's that's the beauty of that exchange. So that's the advice is really just um, write and let go. Right
0: and, great. right and release. <laughs> <laughs> right and release. Write <laughs> and
1: release. I love it. Like a bird.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's terrific. All right. Well, it's been so wonderful having you on, Gina. Yes. I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to read your piece and to get it out into the world. I and mean, that's one of the things that we are here for is to help writers who are maybe on the margin sometimes or, you know, we get, we get really good quality stuff also. But um, just to kind of get folks to let their works be discovered. And um, we're so glad that you submitted to us.
2: Thank you. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to you both and to the publication (laughs) of the good work you're
1: doing. It's wonderful. We appreciate it. It's been so fun. Thank you, Tina. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. If so, please do us a huge favor and give us a rating on your favorite podcast app. Also, be sure to tell your writer friends Ratings and word of mouth are our best tools for expanding the reach of the magazine and podcast. The Story Discovery Podcast is a free, narrated podcast of works that appear in Etched Onyx magazine. Edited by J. W. McAteer. All stories and poems are available at onyxpublications.com. That's O-N-Y-X Publications. If you're feeling extra generous, you can support us at patreon.com slash onyxpublications or buymeacoffee.com slash onyxpublication with no S. As a nano publishing house, we are always looking for new works to showcase. If you'd like to submit a story or poems for consideration, please visit the submissions page on our website. In the meantime, keep reading and writing.